FM Breakfast Show with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87.6, or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. Special shout out to everybody listening in Old Bar, New South Wales. I wonder where New Bar is. Do you know where Old Bar is? I know. Yeah, absolutely. I've been there. Ah, it's a beautiful place. It's a lovely spot. Mm. Uh, Lismore, New South Wales, and Herberton, Queensland. So Old Bar is 87.6. Lismore is 88. And uh, Herberton is 87. Mm. Six. Big shout so out good. to all those listeners this morning. That's amazing. Yeah, shout yes. out those guys. What are you yes. grateful for this morning, Lyle? Ooh, what am I grateful for this morning? I am grateful for mud. Mud? Yes. Just rolling in it? Well, you know, we've got it? lots of mud at the moment. There's mud everywhere. Uh-huh. We've got, like, breaking records left, right, and centre as far as rain goes. So uh-huh. there's got to be some advantages for mud. Uh-huh. Uh, have you used mud for anything recently? Yes. Uh-huh. Like? I've been using mud for mudding the walls in my house. Nice. But it's, like, the proper mud for mudding walls. Ah, uh, okay. It's not just out of the garden. No, nah, it came ah, out of a bucket. Come on. Came out of, came out of a bucket. Lame. Oh, so, I, but yeah, where would you be without mud? I, well, I would. I if you don't have mud, you don't have ceramic. Uh huh. It's made of mud. Yep. Lots of ceramic things in the world. Imagine, imagine how. Imagine if we never had mud. Imagine how much, particularly the ancient world, would be lacking. Ah, oh, dude, totally. Like as in, relied on mud. If if we look at basically all the structures in Judea and Jesus's time, the majority of them were built from mud bricks. Yes. So. There you go. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively show different. Here on Faith FM. We're about to have positively different news. Before we do, Lawson's going to bring us the first question for our quiz today. That's right. Where was Melchizedek king? Okay, what city was he the king of? If you know the answer, the number to call is 0491064669. Don't forget to either, if you want to play along for bragging rights, you can either star it or state it. So put a star beside it. If you're sending a text message, state it to producer Shell. If you just want to play for bragging rights. But we're hoping that everybody can play along for the prize this week. It's a fantastic That's prize. Right. God cares. Oh, it is an amazing prize. Essentially, God cares by C. Mervyn Maxwell is essentially these incredible verse-by-verse study commentaries on the book of Daniel and Revelation, going through, seeing exactly what these powerful books are saying to us today. Not only are they powerful because they tell the future, essentially, they're full of prophecy, but in fact, the book of Revelation starts off by saying, and it's the only book that says this, if we read this book, we will be blessed. So 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you want to go into the draw to win these books. And again, that question was, where was Melchizedek king? 0491-064-669. Okay, if you know the answer, you know the number to call. Lawson, give us some positively different news. Positively different news, Lyle, where there there is a, a... saving saviour mission that is being planned to save the Hubble telescope. Okay. So the Hubble telescope... I thought they were just going to retire that thing, blow it up into small pieces, bring it back to Earth kind of thing. Well, that's right. The Hubble telescope, not to be confused with the James Webb telescope that just replaced it. Yeah, it's pretty replaced. It's... We don't need it anymore. That's right. It's uh, floating up there in space and slowly drifting back into... Well, it's in 
orbit of this Earth. It's slowly d- drifting back into Earth, making re-entry. Uh, and essentially... There has been the question of well, what do we want to do with this thing? We've already got the James Webb. It can it's- see so much further. It's so much more amazing. Do we have a use for Hubble? Do like we did with Skylab. What do we do with Skylab? We just let it come back. We just- <laughs> and then and then it landed in like some farmer's backyard in Western Australia somewhere and didn't kill anyone. Finders keepers, I guess. Probably. Yeah, I'm, I don't remember whether you got to keep that or not. I definitely would have. I mean, if it landed in my backyard, I'd be like, I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm just yeah. going to put that in the shed. <laughs> what Skylab? Yeah. <laughs> Skylab, I remember when it was when it was coming down because everyone was freaking out it was going to land in a city because they lost control of it, like uh, completely lost control of it. But it landed in someone's backyard in Western Australia. Yeah, the no backyard lives. probably was, you know, several hundred thousand acres. But yeah, yeah the backyard. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Western Australia. But the question is, the Hubble telescope, well, what are we going to do with this thing? Do we need it? And ultimately, they've come to the conclusion that, yes, like this thing can keep going and there's great research that we can do with it. While the James Webb is looking out into deep, deep space, we can still use the Hubble to look into deep space. But it's slowly drifting back into Earth and it's yes. making re-entry. So they've looked at the budget for, Jam- uh, for the Hubble telescope and they've gone, is it financially feasible for us to send a mission up to save the telescope and push it further into space? Send a tug out to give it a bit of a tow. Essentially. And the answer that they've come to, the conclusion that they've come to, is yes. So they're utilising, and, and this is basically how all um, s- space missions are going at the moment, they're utilising uh, a, a private space spacecraft specifically owned by SpaceX, by Elon Musk, uh, to pull this thing back out further into space so it can continue its mission of just taking photos, beautiful, amazing, awesome photos of space, which I think, again, the, the conversation always comes up in regards to space technology. It's like, why don't we just spend the time working on this own, our own Earth and just doing stuff here? And as we always rebut here at Faith FM, because space is cool. And space is awesome, and let's look at space, and let's spend money on it. Now, sending rich people into space to live on Mars, you know, they can do that on their own dime. I guess that's their that's their own choice. We live in a capitalist, you know, well, we live in a capitalist country, and they're from capitalist countries too. But I would like to see more of space and understand it and know it. The more we learn of space, the more we understand space, the more we learn of God, and the more we understand God. And this is one of the reasons why I do support space research. Mm. I do think that we need to have a balance where we do need to provide for our world. Mm. And it's one of those areas in which I'm very torn because you have, you know, lots of money that we are spending there while there are people here who are suffering. And we need to find that balance. Mm. But at the same time, I think that the more we learn about the universe, the more we learn about God. Amen. You know, and the one thing that you know, pretty much every astronomer will tell you is that the more you learn about the universe, the more you learn how little you know. Mm. Our, our our area of of things that we do not know just increases, and mm. that's that's cool. You know, that that's really something very special. It is. And speaking of caring of our world, so a statistic has just come out. In the first half of 2022, the total increase of electricity needed, of global electricity, so every new uh, 
thing that has been plugged into the grid that has been that has needed power, all the increase in electricity all over the world has been met 100% by renewable energy. So we have not needed to increase at all in our consumption or burning of fossil fuels in any way. Really? This year, yes. Really? So obviously we're using fossil fuels. Oh, of course. And we just we just used as much as we used last year. We just that's didn't right. increase it for the first and, time ever. And there was definitely more demand on the grid this year. You know, there's more people yes. being born. There's more things. Bitcoin. There's there's more Bitcoin. Bitcoin being used more electricity out of the grid than Denmark. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, essentially, yeah, there are more and more things that need electricity, and all of those increases have been met by renewable energy, which is very, very impressive. I I think wow, like if if all increase in in electricity can be met by renewables, and then we just need to go backwards and say, well, what are we still using uh, fossil fuels for, and you know. Just replace them with renewable energy. I'm a big fan of renewable energy because I just like to think of, you know, things like, like wind farming and, and solar and whatnot. You just chuck these plates or these big turbines in the ground and they just basically run themselves. That's, that's the dream. That's the dream. In fact, like my, uh, my, well, my new stepmom, shout out Tina, uh, she works, uh, doing a number of different, she works for a company that goes and does shutdowns of all different types of factories and plants and power stations and different things. And she goes and so she switches lights off. No, well, they shut the, <laughs> they shut the plant down and then they go in and do a bunch of work to fix up the plant and then they leave. Um, but they have these just massive plants all over the place that are filled with employees and filled with jobs, which is amazing. Uh, which is definitely something that's like, okay, if, if the, the fossil fuel sector shuts down, there is, Huge need to be able to transfer the people who work in the fossil fuel industries into other industries. I, I totally understand. Into renewable industries. Uh, but these are massive plants and factories and things that just take so much time and energy and effort to work on, obviously, to make electricity, which is net a net beneficial to us. We need electricity to do our show. And I'm not saying, oh, electricity is evil. Electricity is something that we need. But I I am just obsessed with the idea of you can just chuck something in the ground and it just does it itself. And then you can be lazier. It's like the dream. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, no, no, no. I meant what I meant to say is that you could spend your time focusing on other things. That's what I, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think this is an amazing statistic. And I guess we'll see as there's more and more demand for power and as population increases to grow globally, uh, if all increase of, of electricity. Yeah, Lyle, just, you're baiting me, okay? Of course, <laughs> of course, I believe we should get rid of Bitcoin. I'm, I'm the biggest crypto hater in the whole world. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think this is really, really interesting stuff. Oh, I don't have time. I've only got 27 seconds. I wanted to get your opinions on President Biden pardoning all the, uh, the, the drug offenders in the United States. But don't even ma- start, Lawson. Don't even we, start. We can get, Seriously. We can get into uh, the you research. Is, me the research is out you. there. We know what happens when you remove prohibition. So we might talk about this tomorrow. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we're about to get into more serious news before Mm -hmm. we do. 
Lawson's going to bring you another question for the quiz. All right, our next question for the quiz. And as you can hear, my, my throat is genuinely cleared now. I can say this question with power. I was struggling and a little clarity. bit. I was struggling a little bit in the last segment. But hey, okay, fill in the blank. All right, we got to prep for this one. Make sure we don't give away the answer. Okay, hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be blank. Proverbs 19, verse 20. 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. Lyle is wide-eyed and struggling because it's it. The, this is the most... Especially when the word is at the end of the sentence. Oh, it's tough. But hey, you can win if you know the answer to that one. God Cares, our two-volume set of incredible, amazing commentaries, verse-by-verse studies of the books of... Daniel and Revelation by C. Mervyn Maxwell. But again, that quiz question was, and oh, I've got to prep again. Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou may... Hold on, hold on. That thou mayest be blank. Okay, okay. <laughs> you Proverbs got 19, got verse 20. I, uh, I, I, I said it the wrong way and I'm like, I'm going to trip myself up here. I'm going to give away the answer. 0491-064-669. Whenever you say these blank ones, it makes my teeth itch. It makes my hair stand. It's like, it's like, it's the equivalent of running your fingers, fingernails down the blackboard. That's right. It's also like so much pressure. Like, yes. I've been, and because yes. I've stuffed it up so many times before, <laughs> I'm like, don't give away the answer. You know, of course, if I it's, did give away the answer. It's not as hard for me, but it messes with my head so <laughs> badly <laughs> sitting here. <laughs> of like, course, just because we know these verses. Yes. So, they're like, oh, like a lot of these verses for fill in the blank are just memory verses, like classic ones that everyone knows. It's just tough. La, what's happening in the world of serious news? Polygamy. Oh, yeah, that's right. So this okay. is an interesting one because I have always argued that it made sense to legalise polygamy before it made sense to legalise homosexuality. And let me explain why. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at this from a purely secular perspective, mm-hmm. uh, as in an evolutionary model, for example, mm-hmm. no God, take God out of the equation, mm-hmm. and you're going to say, well, a, a relationship is defined by love and love is love and nobody can tell you who you can love and who you can't love. Or like, if you're going to look at it from that perspective, then you have a much stronger argument for polygamy than a same-sex marriage. Mm. And the reason you've got a much stronger, we, the stronger argument comes from a number of different perspectives. First of all, you have a much stronger precedent in nature. Mm. So there are many animals, in fact, the majority of animals, where the male of the species will breed with simply as many females as he possibly can Mm. and have as big a family as he can and do whatever he can to ensure that his genetic material is passed on because Mm. the only morality that you have when you take God out of the equation is the necessity of passing on your genetic material. Any other morality is a morality that you choose and that you derive and that you create in your own mind. Mm but there's no actual basis for it and there's no requirement for it mm. if you believe in an evolutionary model. And if you believe in an evolutionary model, then polygamy is actually more moral, mm-hmm. much more moral than a same-sex relationship because a same-sex relationship is the most immoral thing you can do because it removes your genetic material from the gene pool. Mm. Whereas a polygamous relationship gives you 
more added opportunity to pass on your genetic material. That's the only morality that there is if you take God out of the equation. And so from a secular perspective, and even from a religious perspective, it's easier, you can't do it. I'm just going to state that. You can't do it. But it's easier to build a biblical argument for polygamy than it is to build a biblical argument for same-sex marriage. Totally. Much easier. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, why did they start with same-sex marriage? Well, you know, okay, the Muslims and uh, Mormons and so forth, people who practice uh, some versions of Mormons, I should say, people who practice polygamy as a part of their religion, you know, have obviously wanted this to happen for a very long time. And in some countries, of course, in some Islamic countries, it is uh, legal. Well, it's finally a New York City judge has ruled that polygamous unions are entitled to the same legal protections as two-person relationships. Mm. The way this came about, it's an interesting story how it happened. You had... A, a husband, a husband, and a boyfriend. So you had two men who were married to each other, and they had a boyfriend, and uh, they were living in a flat, but one of the husbands moved out, and it was just the other husband and the boyfriend that was left. I know this is confusing, but... I am confused. Okay. So it's just a husband and a boyfriend that is left, and the uh-huh. other husband uh-huh. is living separately. Why? Doesn't say. We don't know. Okay, good. Doesn't say. Okay. We don't know. But the husband that is still living in the flat with the boyfriend dies and the boyfriend claims that he has he can just transfer the, the rental straight into his name because they were partners and the rental agency said, no, it can only go to the husband because they were married and the New York judge said, no, they were in a polygamous relationship, therefore he does have rental rights. Yes. Oh. Okay, so you had yep. Scott okay. You had Scott, who yep. was married to Marcus, Yeah, I, had yep. a, and then they had a boyfriend named Romano. I, Marcus I left, Scott and Romano stayed, uh-huh. Scott died, Romano wanted to remain in the flat with rental rights uh-huh. because, you know, obviously if you're renting and you die and you're married to someone, it passes to, if it's in your name, sure. it passes to your spouse sure. or your or the person you're in a domestic relationship with. Sure. And the judge pointed out that since same-sex marriage legalized, that since same-sex marriage has been legalized, there is no definition of what a family is. Mm. A family is what you identify it as. Um, he pointed out that children these days can have more than two parents, and if mm. children can have more than two parents, then why can't a person have more than two partners? Mm. Yeah. So this is a really, really interesting case. I uh, noted that the problem with the Supreme Court decision on same-sex marriage, uh, which held that the 14th Amendment guarantees the right for same-sex marriage to couple, is that they recognise only two-person relationships. Mm. Like That's a major problem right there. Why didn't we go the whole way and recognise all kinds of relationships. Uh, he says he went on to say that those decisions, or she went on to say, those decisions, however, opened the door for consideration of other relational constructs, and the time has arrived. Uh, she cited a passage from um, Supreme Court Justice uh, John Roberts who dissented from the same-sex marriage uh, decision, Mm. who said, although the majority randomly inserts the adjective to in various places, it offers no reason at all 
why the two-person element of the core definition of marriage may be preserved while the man-woman element may not. If not having the opportunity to marry serves to disrespect and subordinates and subordinate gay and lesbian couples, why wouldn't the same imposition of this disability serve to disrespect and subordinate people who find fulfilment in polygamous relationships? Mm. He's absolutely correct. Mm. And, of course, you know, we talk about the slippery slope, which always exists. Mm. Okay, so um, Katie Faust, who um, is the founder of Them Before Us, points out that all of these decisions across the board universally are bad for children. Children are the ones who are mm. always harmed. Uh, she said, every novel iteration of modern family infringes on the rights and well-being of children in a novel way. Mm. Uh, same-sex marriages denied children a relationship with their father or mother. Polygamous um, relationships insist uh, children share living spaces with an unrelated and often rotating cast of adults. Far from simply having more adults to love them, this household structure increases a child's risk of abuse and neglect yes. and starves them of the stability needed for a thriving life. Mm. And think about you know how this is going to affect women as well. Don't even get me started down that, that, that story. Okay, so this is the point. The slippery slope, because we always warn the slippery slope when we see immoral decisions coming, we say there's a slippery slope. Mm. And they say, we put all of these protections in, there's no such thing as a slippery slope. The fact is there is always a yeah. slippery slope and the reason that there is always a slippery slope is because of the nature of sin. Yes, yes. And human nature. Anyone who tells you that there is not a slippery slope is living in fairyland. In 2003, uh, Justice, Chief Justice Antonin Scalia warned of a day when state laws based on moral choices against bigamy, same-sex marriage, adult incest, uh, prostitution, adultery, fornication, bestiality and obscenity would all fall. Mm. When he said that back in 2003, 7% of the population of the United States supported polygamy. Now 23% support polygamy. Mm. Is our world changing? Yes, our world is changing. Are we standing on a slippery slope? Yes, we are standing on a slippery slope. If love is all that defines a relationship, then the proponents of incest, pedophilia and group marriage can follow the LGBT playbook all the way to validity. Mm. I just got started on this story, but the music's playing already, so I better stop. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We have an interview coming up with Jesse from Science Magazine. But before we get into it, we will be having another question for the quiz. What was applied as a poultice to Hezekiah's boils? A, charcoal, B, figs, C, bread, or D, mud? 0491-064-669. Again, the options were A, charcoal, B, figs, C, bread, or D, mud. What was applied to Hezekiah's boils as a poultice? Joining us on the phone this morning is Jason Herford from Signs of the Times magazine to give a monthly update on everything Signs magazine related. Jesse, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Lyle. Good to be here. We want to hear all about the latest edition of Signs and what you guys have been up to, what kind of interesting subjects you've been digging into. What's the latest you've got for us? Oh, mate, so much, so much. Probably a good place to start would be 
one of our first articles. Look, here at Science, we love a good article about health and well-being. And this month, one of our best authors, Alicia Christie, is talking about going plant-based. And I know that's something that is near and dear to all of us, plant-based diet, getting more veggies, more fruit into you. But one of the things that I found so interesting about this article is how she doesn't just talk about, hey, it's great to get more veggies in you, but also some of the myths and some of the misconceptions around plant-based diets. Because I think that it's a terminology that maybe a lot of people aren't super familiar with, at least with what it means and what it means for your diet. So that's been super interesting for us. I find it interesting how popular this has become. You know, I'm 50 years old and I remember when I was a kid and I was lacto-ovo-vegetarian there for a long time and people thought that was like really out there and weird and extreme <laughs> and you'd say it and they'd look at you like you had three heads and they'd look at what you had in your lunchbox and be like, what on earth is this guy into? And then in the 1990s, in fact, when was it 1992 I became plant-based you know went the next step from lacto-ovo vegetarian to plant-based vegetarian and people thought I'd really lost it at that particular point society was starting to get their head around I guess lacto-ovo vegetarian and by the time they started to get there I went plant-based and that was just the end of the world people thought I was a religious nut job and now of course (laughs) it's one of those things that well everybody aspires to it Not everybody accomplishes it, but everybody sees the advantage. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's so true. It has become the the in vogue thing for for many of us. And I think one of the things that I really find great about um, talking about plant-based diets is that it's a lot more inclusive than maybe some of the language that we've used in the past. Uh, Veganism has been a big thing for many years, but I think a lot of people have been turned off by veganism. It's almost... I I wouldn't say it's a dirty word, but I would say that people aren't so drawn to, oh, veganism, great, as they used to, whether that's just because of the discourse around it in the the public sphere or um, whether it's been the way that certain people have kind of been a bit militant with veganism. But I think the cool thing about being plant-based is it's a really wide spectrum and you can engage with it at whatever level you're comfortable with. You don't have to go full, full veganism. You don't have to even become necessarily vegetarian. But what it is about introducing more plants and uh, more nutrition into your diet to get you a better uh, health outcome. And I think that's something that all of us can kind of really identify with. And I think that's a big difference in the terminology right there because when you say vegan, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is you know, some activist outside somebody's farm making life hard for the farmer and, and making a general nuisance out of themselves. Whereas when I think, you know, and, 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 and eating a plant-based diet, but a vegan in my mind tends to be somebody who does it for animal rights reasons, whereas somebody, when somebody says I'm plant-based, for whatever reason it may be true, it might be completely untrue, I don't know, but whenever people say plant-based to me, I immediately think health. They yeah, say vegan. They, they, they say vegan. I think politics. They say plant-based. I think health. And it's just the yeah. way my mind works. Maybe I'm weird. I don't know. But that's how I think about it. Um, so yeah. I, I really like the idea of having a an article that is about plant-based because then you've got people who are into health. You've got people who are into animal rights. You've got people who are into reducing the pollution in the world. And you know, if they're probably your three big motivators right now for people to go plant-based. 
and everybody can come together from different different perspectives and different reasons. 100%. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. This article spends a little bit of time getting rid of some of the myths. I guess one of those myths is that not every person who is plant-based is a rabid protester standing outside of a chicken farm somewhere. But what are some of the other myths that, that this article gets yeah. into? Yeah, well, um, one of them is that plant-based nutrition is just for people who are super healthy and who just want to min-max the athletes, you know, the, the, the people who are really, you need to have a strict diet. And Alicia talks about how some of the strongest animals in the world essentially eat a plant-only diet. You think of gorillas, you think of elephants, things like that. So there's enough nutrition and there's enough really good sustenance in plants to be able to live and breathe and have a healthy life. You don't have to miss out on having a balanced diet, being nutritionally integrated, I suppose you could say. And the other thing, as, as I mentioned before, you can enter into a plant-based diet at any point. You can decide to just simply swap out a bit of beige for a bit of green. You can simply choose to swap out um, some sort of uh, you know, animal-based protein for something from the natural plant world. All of these things are possible. You don't have to go vegan. You don't even necessarily have to go vegetarian straight away. It's about baby steps. And that's, I think, the heart of what the article is trying to achieve, what Alicia is trying to achieve with this article is saying, hey, make a few healthy steps forward and it'll make you feel better. It'll help you to be able to live a better life and it might help you to make that next step even easier in the future. Or, of course, you could do like I did and go cold turkey, sit down, have your last piece of chicken, <laughs> and never touch the stuff from that day to this. <laughs> that is also an option. That is also an option, but maybe not, the, maybe not the best option for everybody. But if cold turkey works for you, then give that a go. All right, what else is happening in Science Magazine? Yeah, this issue, we uh, touched on a CSIRO study that they've done recently on megatrends for the future. And this is sort of the folks at the CSIRO looking at what does the future hold for our country, um, for our, our region, and also for the world. It's a pretty broad article. And they list, I think, if I'm just remembering correctly, seven megatrends for the future. Things like you know, the fact that we have to adapt to climate change, um, you know, it's probably something that is here to stay, according to the CSIRO. So we just have to learn to live with it. Diving into the digital, how digital is going to become increasingly more prevalent in our economy, in our social life, AI, the rise of AI, things like that. So very broad strokes about what the future is going to look like. But we were just fascinated by the sort of predictions about how the future is going to shape up from the CSIRO perspective. It'll be a very interesting article to read again in 30 years' time. Yeah. It'll probably be yeah. one of those articles and they're like, yep, they got that one right, that one, that one, that one right, that one right, and that one's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And not all of these trends absolute prophetic word, that's no, for sure. No. But yeah, it's, it's but interesting to look at the direction that our world is going and our world is moving that direction so rapidly that, you know, we literally could look at it in 30 years' time and find it even more fascinating, whereas, you know, at the speed that the world changed, say, 200 years ago, you could do something like, well, this is the world's direct, the direction the world's heading. Well, the same places are headed for the last 200 years, you know, whereas yeah. these days, wow, 
just yeah. changing so rapidly. And look, some of these are, you know, in a 100 years' time, in 50 years' time. Uh, one of them is really fascinating to me because they predict that by 2025, the digital workforce, that is people who work almost exclusively digitally, whether they're remote workers or working from home or whatever, that's going to increase by 79% in the next five years. Um, so that that's is yeah, crazy. off the charts. Yeah. That is, that is yeah. absolutely just mind-boggling. And hopefully, you know, it's going to revitalise, as it has been during COVID and so forth, our regional and country areas, and people will take the opportunity to get out of the city and to get a better lifestyle. Yeah, 100%. I, uh, look, I'm speaking as somebody who's sitting right now, Lyle, in the, in the heart of North Sydney. So uh, <laughs> if, there's a, if there's potential for some of us here to get out into the regional areas for a slower pace of life, I can only see that as a, as a good thing. Now, of course, there are challenges when it comes to going fully digital in your work um, in your work life, if you are single or you don't have people around you, uh, I can imagine that would be quite challenging, isolating potentially. But I, it is a sign of the times of the way things are going. We've been seeing this world of digital on social media and so forth increase. So I think this is probably not surprising if we've been paying attention to just the last decade or so of, of digital. Yep, yep, Absolutely. I think we've got time there to talk about one or two more of your articles that you've got coming up in this edition. So let's go to a completely different tack. Raven Blyde, one of our contributing regulars, talks about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And this is a favourite of ours. We do love our Christian heroes. And uh, Bonhoeffer in particular, I think, is a, is a favourite amongst the staff here. It's sort of almost a biographical and also what has Bonhoeffer done that we can learn from? And of course, for those who aren't aware, he was uh, a theologian, he was an activist, and uh, ended up becoming a martyr in the uh, concentration camps in Nazi Germany. Fascinating figure and uh, inspiring as well. What fascinates me about that whole story is that there were so few Bonhoeffers. Yeah. You know, you kind of look at it and go, well... Statistically, if I lived in Germany back then, I wouldn't be Bonhoeffer. You know, we all sort of sit back and think, yeah, yeah, we'd be Bonhoeffer if we were there. But statistically, we wouldn't. And what does that actually say about, I mean, I'm getting sidetracked from your article here. I'm just geeking out <laughs> on a little bit of imagination for a moment. But what does that actually say about human nature and who we are? Yeah, anyway, that. but yeah. The, yeah, the story of Bonhoeffer, yeah. absolutely inspiring story. Encourage anybody to jump in there and read about that. Start with the Science Magazine article and then, then of course, uh, take it from there. There's uh, certainly a lot, a lot has been written about Bonhoeffer over the years mm. because of the very significant impact that he has had on our world and definitely uh, inspiring. One more real quick, one more real quick. All right, I, I can't uh, leave the conversation without talking about our cover article. And it is called Your Net Worth is Not Your Self-Worth. And uh, this was written, written by our assistant editor, Zanita, who's written a fantastic article about money mindset and how important money is to us and how it can really put a sway over our lives, maybe can we say, in, in a way that can be potentially healthy if we exercise wisdom, but can also lead us to all sorts of really uh, dark places. If we put too much of an emphasis and importance in our own personal lives 
on money. So how do we relate to money? How can we use it wisely? How can we avoid some of the pitfalls of seeing money as, as more than what it is? Well, that sounds like a really, really important subject for right now because it's so central to everything we do every day. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us here on The Breakfast Show to talk about Signs Mag. Before you go, how do we interact with Signs Magazine? Where do we find it and how do we interact with it? Lyle, it is super simple. All you need to do is go to signsofthetimes.org.au and you'll be able to read the articles that we publish every month. You'll be able to subscribe to the magazine by print or by digital and it has all the links to our social media and contact. If you want to get in touch with us, um, that is the place to go, signsofthetimes.org.au. Now, does it, do you have to have a subscription to read everything that's there, or do the subscribers just get all of the uh, extra really good bits? Um, look, we put up uh, articles as the month progresses. So if you get to the end of the month, then basically everything will be there. But if you do want everything all in the one place, you can subscribe. Digital is really easy. It's very cheap um, compared to a print subscription, which is also not that much. But uh, if you want all the articles all in one place, a digital subscription is um, the easiest and quickest way to do that every single month. How much is the paper version? I'm kind of old-fashioned. I like paper. It's $28 a, uh, a month, uh, sorry, a year, excuse me, for the, um, the, the print subscription. Um, but for the digital subscription, it's like half that. Yeah, so it's... Okay. Uh, a cup of coffee a month, yeah. basically, something, something along those lines. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.